It's all fun and games until someone pops a vocal cord trying to imitate Nathan Queen on the Fish Golf Broadcast. On this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast, I welcome back one of our early guests, Chandler Fry. Chandler, what you thinking about? You know, I just, uh, I'm thinking about this last weekend, which was the Ledgestone Open. Okay. And I'm thinking about the Disc Golf Pro Tour, and I'm thinking about the level of play that we're seeing right now, and I'm thinking about my ability to play at that level, and I'm getting kind of scared. <laughs> what about it? Is this is this a doubt thing, or is it, tell me about that. It's a self-confidence thing at this point, I think. It's a... Uh, I haven't shot above 1045 this year. At all? At all. Hmm. Which is a new one for me. Um, and the winner of the last weekend's tournament just averaged almost 1070. So I'm kind of just thinking about that <laughs> and, sure. and the difference in the Yeah. So I have a few thoughts here. Okay. First, ratings aren't everything. True. And some courses rate out wildly different than others, especially when you get into like a high par situation where the SSA is really high. Strokes are worth, you know, five points a stroke. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to shoot super, super high. It's also really, really hard to shoot super, super low. Like I saw some pretty crummy golf that averaged or that shot like 960 at Northwood Black because yeah. like strokes are worth four points. Fair. Yeah. I thought my round was pretty bad, but I got 1015. Ten, five up was 1015 <laughs> yesterday. Yeah. In and Saturday's round. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who who watch, uh, go look at the conditions at Northwood Black. It was it was some tough sledding yeah. on an already challenging track. Literal sledding down the hills, the <laughs> some, mud. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, like it was if, fun. if you drop down in the creek, you were going to have to go get it the hard way. Yeah, we had staff out there laying down bark chips all day. It was brutal. Yeah, for sure. Um, so Chandler, can you tell me about a tournament where you did average super super hot? Yeah, uh, the last couple of tournaments I averaged pretty well. Uh, it's been a couple of years since I averaged like above 1050. CCR opened my last win mm -hmm. was 1055 average, and I won by five. What kind of mentality were you in at that point, and what were the strong parts of your game that led to that performance? That's a that's a tough question. It was my birthday weekend, okay. so I was my attitude was a bit elevated. I was a bit happier, kind of going into the week. Um, I played a lot of Pokemon Go. <laughs> and that tends to alleviate some of the stress and kind of brings me to a good headspace. Um, also, my game was feeling fantastic. Not much different than it is feeling right now, honestly. But uh, I feel like for that 1050 plus average, you got to get a couple lucky breaks. You got to have some things going for you as well as some really good play. And I think that's what we're seeing every weekend is just like these guys are just playing insanely consistent golf, but also getting those good breaks. And that's where you get those 1060s and 1070s. So especially at courses like Northwood Black, because like you're going to hit trees. There's sure. no getting around that. So a few years ago, there was kind of a class of players like Nate Sexton or Bradley Williams mm -hmm. or me or you who didn't have elite distance, but would survive by hitting their spots, picking yeah. a couple times around to be aggressive and parlaying that into a good performance. Just playing steady golf, yeah. you know, average 10, 20 or 10, 30 and snag a I mean, top 20 finish. They called him Nate Safeton Nate for Safeton, a reason. Right. You know? Like I remember hearing him, hearing 
a story of him laying up yeah. to get like ninth at Worlds <laughs> and being thrilled that it was his first time being in the top 10 at Worlds. Yeah. Um, when he could have like run a putt and potentially gotten sixth or seventh or dropped to 12th. Yep. Um, that's, I can't provide exact context for that. That was a secondhand story, but it was like, huh, that that's a guy who's content in his own skin. And he he got third at worlds in Utah. Sure. Playing. I mean, he took risks obviously, but mostly safe golf. Just, just executing his game. Yeah. So, Climo and Schultz were just consistent monsters. Shredders. And now, I think the advent of YouTube disc golf has mm-hmm. led to an influx of young players who grew up watching Paul Macbeth, like his 2015 version. Yeah. Where Oof. Homeboy was chasing eagles all over the place. Worst finish was third? Yeah, something like that. Just a yeah. disgusting year. Yeah. And would run all of his putts. Yeah. Because he had the confidence both in making it, but in making the comeback putt. And, and there's only one back then. Only one person doing that, really. Uh, I mean... Successfully. There was Waisaki a little bit. Yeah. But there was... Only those two at that point could really say they had a complete game in terms of putting, mm-hmm. backhand, forehand, distance. Yep. All, all of those things that make a complete golfer. And now there's every weekend a Colred Allen. There's yeah. a Gannon Burr, a Parker Welk. Some- Aiden Scott, you know, like players that people haven't even heard of really yet have the potential of popping off and winning a tournament. Right. It's insane. It's cool to see. And I think that uh, some of the players who got kind of that wave of contracts in 2020, 2021, mm-hmm. when disc golf was booming, they had the financial security to go try to chase wins. And not worry about finishing 55th or missing cash one week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and that kind of led to the attitude of, let's go get it. Like, let's go run Just the aggressive everything. mindset, yeah. And the Disc Golf Pro Tour really rewards that as well in their point oh, yeah. structure, in their payouts. Like, it's... The courses they choose? Sure. Financially, it, it yeah. would be better for you to go finish fifth at Ledgestone and then go miss cash at the next two events than it would be to go finish 40th three times in a row. Yep. Um, you're going to get more points. You're going to get more moolah, more, more money. You're yep. going to get more sponsor bonuses. You got to get that fifth though. <laughs> it's and hard. That, that's it's like hard. A, that Fishy if I got fifth it. right now, I'd be happy with my season <laughs> to be honest with you, but I'm not. So I know it's only August right now, but do you start thinking about designing your off-season training plan uh, based on the courses or trends you've observed in the game? Honestly, I haven't really started thinking about that yet. I'm mostly thinking about my trip to Uganda in November with you play disc golf. And then once I get back, I'll kind of figure out what I'm doing. But uh, I think I'm going to try to go to Florida for a couple weeks, hang out with Eric Oakley do some courses there, experience some warm weather instead of <laughs> just the so, s- snowy, perhaps perhaps snowy, definitely rainy winter weather in Washington. But uh, it kind of just depends on what the weather's like in Washington, what kind of practice I get. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what has being on tour full-time made you develop in your game? Uh, I'm, I'm a more consistent player. I think my head, my mental game is stronger than it was a few years back. 
Um, I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to build it up to where I want it to be. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm, I'm think I'm just more consistent physically, mentally. I'm just uh, not putting rounds together, if that makes sense. Like, I'm playing well. My body feels good. My mind feels good. But I'm just having a couple blow-up holes every round, it seems. So I'm, consi- I'm getting better, but I'm just not putting the results up there. Sure. I, that I, makes sense. I think I can identify with that, <laughs> yeah. where, you know, you... Yeah you can play a good round and still be fixated on like, man, I took a double bogey because mm-hmm. I did X. Yeah. And, and the, that young class of players seems completely undeterred by the specter of double bogey. I don't know how they do it. Um, well, okay. All of those young, you it's and I scary. are, you and I are in our thirties and our prefrontal yeah. cortex is fully developed. Dang it. So <laughs> I, I, is there a way to redo or undo that progress? Uh, I'm not a medical professional, and I don't really do drugs, so I don't think Frontal I can... Frontal lobotomy? Yeah, I, th- I wish there was a way to kind of undo a lot of the habits that my brain's created over the last 21 years of playing disc golf, or just sports in general. But I don't think there is. I think we just got to work with what we got and just make do. Because I got a lot of issues up there. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's It's difficult to work on that at the same time as playing and traveling and doing all of these things because Nearly like impossible. Yeah. Every single week you're at some level, you are tying your self-worth and self-identity to how you perform. Yeah. And that performance is on a knife's edge, like mm-hmm. yeah, inbounds and out of bounds. It can, can be more than just one stroke and it, and that might be a foot apart. It might be 20, 20 positions too, that you move. Yeah, and these courses that we play aren't very forgiving. And so if you're a little off, it's uh, it's pretty detrimental. Sure. Yeah. I, I'll, I'll say for myself, going on tour, I just kind of naturally added 40 or 50 feet of distance mm-hmm. because it's now more common to throw hard. It's just a natural progression because everyone else does it? Is that what you're saying? Or I, did you actually do um, things? I mean, I, I've this? definitely yeah. done field work, and I have like deliberately tried to... F- tried to find the relevant parts of mechanics to okay. be able to throw harder. So, okay. And then yeah. hitting, hitting the gym to target those muscle groups yeah. or waiting properly. Um, and that's happening because like, or I'm sorry, adding distance happened because you can't just, throw a cutesy little 425 and expect expect a score in a lot of places like you need to be able to air it out and get a minimum of 450 to a landing zone to a landing zone and then throw another one of those to Um, an island it it drives me (laughs) now it drives me bats when course designers only do that when their solution to make it harder is crank the ropes down or make it longer not to name names but what would be a course that does that on tour today? Oh, I'll name names. Um, the, di- yeah, I thought the Portland Open was very, very bad. Okay, um, for what reason? Did the distance was is just too much? I there were some players saying that it was too long, mm-hmm. and I don't think I necessarily agree with that. It okay. was just so one dimensional. Like you just yeah. take a straight to overstate, straight to stable distance driver and throw it fourteen times in a round Smash off the tee. It. I heard multiple people saying it wasn't fun to watch. 
It just, no, it's like boring. It's con- just, contextless yeah. hyzers in a field needs to go away. It's the same shot over and over again. It's not good television. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's fun to watch these guys throw 600 feet. It's fun to watch like Eagle do crazy things, but it's also really fun to watch as Andrew Fish and I love comets flying through the woods, you know, mid ranges, shaping shots. That's I enjoy watching that a lot more than a 600 foot bomb. Yeah, and I talked quite a bit on last week's episode, a solo episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast, about uh, some techniques in course design that could be used. Um, And some of that was focused on open courses. Some of that was focused on woods courses. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, a lot of what I was trying to get to was creating good landing zones. Uh, So with that in mind, I want to kind of deep dive hole 12 at Northwood Black. Oh, gosh. Okay. I'm Phil DeLanay, and I listen to the Fish Golf Broadcast while I set up sponsor ads and put them in your favorite players' landing zones. I'm Scott Withers, and I listen to the Fish Golf Broadcast while I try to convince myself to go practice. If you like where this show is headed, stick around for part two. We'll never barrage you with 11 minutes of droning external ads to start the show. So please support the Fish Golf Broadcast by visiting discgolfbra.com for hats and other apparel. Fish stamp discs are available at fishdiscgolf.com and daddydiscgolf.com, and you can save 10% on upperparkdiscgolf.com with the code ANDREW10 on backpacks and other items. And now, more lies and outrageous claims from our guest, met with calm reason by Fish. During the break, Chandler and I took the opportunity to go look at our career stats on hole 12 at Northwood Black. And for me, that spans 2019 Worlds, where I went 5-6, and then 2021 through 2023 Ledgestone, where I went 5-6-5-7-6-6. It might have been a 6 instead of a 5 there. But, But basically, I think I'm averaging almost exactly 6 on the whole. Any birdies on that? No that, birds. I hear for okay. Uh, the closest I came was this year, where I was about 120 out and didn't get up and down oh. for par, oh. and all I wanted was a par. Um, well, there we go. So the way I'm conceptualizing the hole is five is an amazing score. Six is a score I can totally live with. Even a seven is not blowing my round up entirely. And in order to achieve that, I'm throwing a mid range off the tee. I am trying to break, I'm trying to go through the first gap and break a little bit to the right to be right of the row of trees in the, in the first landing zone. However, I will not overturn that shot. If I break to the left side of the row of trees, which has become an improved landing zone with some clearing on the left side of the row of trees in the first landing zone, I'm willing to do that because then I can throw kind of a flat shot across the creek to the second landing zone. I will then throw a mid-range up the hill with a neutral comet, just trying to land flat in the middle, and then I will pitch up and I hope drop in a five. If I don't think I can get across in two, 
I'm probably going to lay up to close to the near side in front of the short tee pad and then throw my third across and then play everything else out and try to get a six. I think Northwood black hole 12 is a really, really, really good hole for exposing players who don't really go up with a plan and just say, it's a par five. How can I for it? Well, I just, I feel like I just got called out. <laughs> well, tell me, t- well, tell me why. So I've been playing, I've, pl- I've played all the tournaments you've played at on hole 12. Um, in worlds, I did birdie it and I got a five. Nasty. So that's a good year. So four or five? Four or five. And then I went five in order from nine, 2021 to, to now. I went five, six, six, seven, eight. So it's not trending great <laughs> at this point. But I think I can, I, I, I'll, I'll walk you through my second round if you'll bear with me. Please. This is interesting to me, even if our listenership is turning off the podcast okay. as you well, recount your round. It's a, it's kind of a horror story, so if you get easily scared, you might want to mute it. Uh, so, context. Gra- grab your stuffed animal or yeah. security blanket or something. Context. Hole 11, leading into hole 12. I threw my flippy driver down the middle. Sure. And I thought it was perfect. But Northwoods has a very... Uh, I'll just say nice way of taking what you think are good shots and turning them into really bad shots. So I hit the one tree that was in the middle of the fairway, relatively high, because in order to get to the basket on the right side with a backhand, you have to put it a little high. And I connected left side of the tree, and it launched about 100 feet left into the shul. And if you've played in Illinois, the shul in Illinois is uh, not great. It's heavy. It's a pointy you always bleed when you're in there or Mm -hmm. at some point you'll start bleeding if you keep on going in there so i had to pitch out take a four which i thought was a bit unfair because i was expecting a birdie on that hole after that the first half of that drive so i was a little tilted and you do in at northwood you have to kind of calm down you have to stay present stay mindful and continue the round because it's stressful hole after stressful hole so I went into hole 12 with the round that I was not happy with, and I was looking to get strokes. So I was, the, the birdie is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous play. This is, that's your first mistake. You yes. were trying to gain strokes. Yes. And uh, in order to do what Ricky did, birdie at both rounds, it takes precision and execution that I did not have at that moment because my brain was not in the present. I was thinking about the future. I was thinking about what I could have gotten in my throw was not committed. It hit the tree on the left, kicked left. So at that point I'm already tilted and now I'm super tilted. Yeah. And I walk up to my lie, no stance, no gap. Well, there's plenty of gaps, but they're all like three feet, 50 feet in front of me. And so I choose what I think is the biggest one. Miss it entirely. What disc are you throwing? Uh, sorry, first first shot, I was trying to get some distance with a, a Speed 11 Surge, Chandler Fry Tour Series Surge. And uh, second shot, tried to do the same thing. So I was trying to, I should have just pitched out to the fairway and I probably would have taken a six, honestly, or a six or a seven. Uh, but it kicked right. And I tried to sidearm out through another tiny gap. I was in the bushes with another Surge, kicked another tree, but it was in the middle. And uh, so I launched a nuke trying to get up the hill <laughs> from about 150 feet short of the bridge, 
which at this point I should just be laying up to the landing zone before the, the hill. Um, worked out pretty well, but it went a little left. It skipped left, and I was left with pretty much nothing. So no lie once again after having a decent shot. Um, and so I tried to throw as far down the, the gauntlet, which is if you've seen hole 12, it's a, like a three-part shot. And the last part is this tunnel of trees down to the basket. Um, threw it too low, clipped the grass, and it rolled right. Disaster. Disaster. And Because uh, it's a whole bunch of young second-growth trees in there. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no real escape. And it, and at this point, I'm sitting six. And uh, I'm like, I got to get up to the basket. And so I see another gap that's also two, three feet, 30 feet in front of me. And I try to hit it with my zone, hit a tree, and it kicks left into the other shul on the, on the other side. Equally bad. However, yeah. if you go too far, it's an impossible drop-off over there. Yeah, I was just before the drop-off, but it was nearly an impossible shot, and I was lying seven, so I was like, in my head, I'm like, I'm getting double, I'm getting double digits on this one, <laughs> and my round is essentially, it's not over, but like the 14, and the 13, 14, 15, like those are all extremely hard holes for me, and in order to have a successful round, I have to like par, or hopefully birdie one of those, uh, so I, on my seven, on my lie seven, I chose another gap, that was about, that was a tiny, and I nailed it, and I had an eight. But at no point did I experience the luxury of being on the... Well, one one throw was on the fairway. <laughs> uh, and then the next round, I tried to do the same thing. I was in a similar position. And uh, uh, and on what shot you were in a similar position? Oh, just as far as like going into hole 12, what my position was, like what I had to do. Oh, okay. And uh, I tried to do the same thing. And instead of hitting left trees, I hit right trees and it kicked right onto 16's green. And I almost hit some bystanders or some spectators. Oops. Uh, but I had some. I had a good conversation with them, and I lapped it off, and I ended up throwing a, a shot back to the fairway over their heads, which they enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the hole. It forces you to play good golf, and I'd like to think that I had a plan, but it probably wasn't a good plan. I. You are much more comfortable throwing fast discs through small spaces than mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. Like I, if I'm going to throw a speed eleven, I want to be. I want to have plenty of room to work it. Yeah, I have no fear of that yeah because I, I love my surges and i can usually throw them pretty well in the woods but but in general those do take more room to fly there fly the way that they're going to and yeah. it's harder to make it stop where yeah. you want rather than playing a floatier mid-range shot true um so i chandler I gotta tell you something please do i'm a total pervert okay because one of my favorite things to do at every Ledgestone or, or Worlds that's been held yeah. is to go to hole 12 and then sort U-Disc yeah, I think by... That, that's not the right word. Of, right I don't know. the word pervert. I don't it's know, man. A, I think it's just geek. I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty sick when I do it. I oh, yeah. Geeky. It gets me going. <laughs> I like them stats. <laughs> I like to see the double digits. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, you didn't see them from me. But I, I got close. And yeah. uh, I think if you look back at my tournament, the Ledgestone Open, you'll see a lot of birdies. And you'll see some uh, some pretty good play, but also like five holes that just completely ruined me. And uh, that's what Northwood Blacks do. Blacks do and uh, I guess you just got to take it and move on to the next tournament. I don't know. It sucks. Sure. <laughs> it really does. So I'm, I'm interested in what your process is for... Um, kind of 
dissociating from what your score or your place in the tournament or what you just did is in order to play those holes better next time. Like it's very difficult to avoid the tension and stress that, that kind of set in mm-hmm. when, you know, when you know you're about to play 12, 13 and 14, which are a total gauntlet. Oh yeah. Uh, how do you try to, how do you try to dissociate from those in order to succeed? Because this isn't just a Northwood Black thing. Like that is what the Duvals have tried to do at Winthrop. Yeah, that is what, uh, like even some of the holes at Idlewild, where there is OB very close to the basket, they're trying to tilt you. Oh yeah, that course will get you. Um, I think in my head. I'm still trying to be that aggressive player, that that kid that can hit all the lines, that can throw 550 feet on a dime. But as I'm getting older, I feel like I have to start moving towards that Nate Safeton route, that Andrew Fish route where I have to like really analyze the holes and maybe play a lot of the holes for par. You know, instead of just risking those huge numbers which I showed at Northwood, like I made some bad decisions, got some doubles, got some triples. And that ruined my tournament. So if I just played a mid-range off the tee at 12, if I just played my buzz, and then a buzz across, and then a comet up, and then a zone to the basket, there's... You walk away with a five, you're gaining strokes on the field. Five yeah. strokes. I would have made the cut yeah. by four strokes. Now Because I, I missed it by one. <laughs> Chandler, I got to say, um, one problem with being a pervert in, in the particular way that I described... Geek. Uh, is you have, you've got your story, I've got mine, <laughs> is, is that... Sorting that direction is basically like walking up to the biggest guy in the bar and like taking a swing. <laughs> like I am, yeah. I'm, I'm saying, couldn't be me about a hole that is like that's just waiting for me to get to be to feel safe on it. Yeah. Instead of like focusing and giving each shot the attention and respect that it deserves. I have no problem with that. <laughs> I gave every shot the attention it deserves, but it was just a lot of shots. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I just, I also, I feel like that's kind of a, becoming a Nate safe, or I, I will say, I'll stop saying Nate safe and becoming a safer player is kind of a, just the march to masters, you know, like I'm not ready to accept that yet. I want to be that aggressive player. I want to be that, <laughs> that culvert all and that Gannon that's hitting all those shots. But at this part time in my career, maybe I just can't necessarily do that i might have a couple rounds like that but i can't be consistent like that i think everyone just kind of goes through like cycles of slump and perfection right like mm-hmm. i've had a couple rounds this year where i just can't miss like i hit every fairway i hit every landing zone yeah. i put i don't even like leave my layups at 24 feet i leave them at four feet yeah and to me, that's that I don't want that to be an aberration. I want to be able to access that anytime. Yeah. How? That's a good question. Um, I think I think a lot of it is just like you you don't look at the young kids who throw a hundred and fifty feet further than me and say, "Oh, I wish I could have that." I think it's being comfortable in what you do really well. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, for, for, if I were you, I would, I would say, I would say that I'm, or I would say that you're very comfortable throwing those faster discs to get those holes that are 425 to 450. Um, and there are a lot of those on tour where if you can cram a distance driver through there, you're going to get to a really good spot, Oh yeah. especially at some of the courses coming up the rest of the season that aren't purely open, but somewhere like Deglo, where yeah. the new holes are designed to make you have to attack with a distance driver through a gap. Have you seen the new hole 18? No. Toboggan? Oh my gosh. It's actually farther back and right. Par four. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, I threw practicing it. I threw a surge and then a comet and parked it. I'm very interested. Yeah. It's a good backhand hole, but it's also pretty favorable for the sidearm. Sure. Um, and then Chris German actually shouted you out as a, a round that he really liked going back and watching uh, from round one of GMC where you shredded oh, nice. yeah. a couple years ago. Not the second maybe, round, though. <laughs> maybe not, but... 21. But, but, but Yeah, something like that. But that's okay. Like, yeah. Brewster sets up well for being able to attack with yeah. backhand distance drivers. For sure. And then your putt is one of the dopest in the game from circle two. For so, sure. like, that's a place where, yeah. where you can kind of have a little safety net. You're counting on that's being been the able thing to that's gain. Saving me. When I've cashed this year, that's, <laughs> that's been why <laughs> the putting. Yeah, sure. Everything else. Like, sometimes I have some mediocre driving stats, but usually they're like not that great. So. Yeah, I think I, I do have to build up my self-confidence a little bit. I was talking to a friend yesterday, and that was pretty much all she mentioned. Just like, you need to believe in yourself. I mean, it sounds easy, but like I don't. And I go into those rounds, like hyping myself up, listening to, to music, you know, doing all the, all the things I got to do that, I, that usually work, that have worked in the past, and they're just not working anymore. So I think the main thing is I just got to get into my brain. So an, another thing that might, work for you or might work for, for other people is having a caddy. Yeah. Um, we talked about this a little bit. Your dad was able to caddy for you at some of the events on the West coast this year. My best tournament was with my dad in the bag. Beaver state fling. So why was that? What, Uh, what about that was different? I think at that point I had been away from home for about three months and just seeing my dad was a, a good change. I'm just having a comforting presence on the bag. Someone who like doesn't necessarily know the disc golf pro tour, but he knows me and he knows my game. Sure. And uh, points things out, telling me to do certain things. Like I don't have that. I usually go sans caddy, so I didn't. I don't really have that anywhere else, but with my dad. Right. So maybe uh, I just don't like random people getting on my bag. I agree with you totally. Like yeah. you, when you have someone you don't know. At, and I'm very introverted. So like, I don't want to have to manage somebody else's experience while I'm doing it, while I'm doing this. I don't, I just don't know why they're there. Are they there for me? Are they there to see the tournament? Yeah. And that bothers me if they're not there just exclusively for me, which sounds kind of selfish, but if they want to caddy for me, like they're an extension of me in a sense. Like you are responsible for their behavior. Yeah. Uh, in, in terms of rules and and etiquette, if they shotgun a beer on hole nine, I'm getting DQ'd. (laughs) And when, as soon as you get DQ'd, you're going to have to shotgun a beer too. Oh, maybe two. Why stop? Um, so, so I posited that maybe having your dad there didn't let yourself get worked up about little things that went wrong. Mm -hmm. Like it, 
Yeah. Do you think it was helpful to be able to just recenter yourself? I think so. Yeah. I think it was nice to have someone instead of like talking to myself and saying those things that sometimes you say, say to yourself, like, dang, you suck. Or what are you doing? Idiot stuff like silly things like that. I didn't say that. I went to my dad. I was like, what was that? And he's like, I don't know. And then we just moved on. (laughs) You know, it was just easier to move on from mistakes and it was easier to celebrate the good shots with him than it would, than it would be with myself. So I think, yeah, thanks for joining this half an hour uh, therapy session for Chandler. (laughs) But I think uh, caddies are a good idea. I do like that. A recurrent theme on the Fish Golf broadcast is the season is long. Yeah. And like, you know, very long. (laughs) It's it's very long, especially like right now you're in a string of playing tournaments every weekend. Mm -hmm. I think this is my sixth or seventh in a row and... At least two more to go. Haven't felt good about one of them. <laughs> it's a long time to not feel feel good about your game. but And I, I think I experienced that earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. And for me, getting home was a pretty key reset. Yeah. Um, so oh. anyway, I, I'm i sure we'll explore this a little bit more off the podcast. In the meantime, yeah. uh, you got a dog. I got a dog. Tell us about your dog. His name is Ollie. He's a Minpin Manchester Terrier, and I miss him dearly. He is the cutest thing, cuter than all your dogs out there. For all of them. sure, all of them. Uh, yeah, and he's home with my mom and my sister right now. They take care of him when I'm gone. And that's another part. Lately, I've been missing him a lot. So it's just nice to have that little furry friend with you on the road. Yeah, for sure. Now, you are good friends with a lot of other dogs on the road. Yeah, that helps me get uh, by. <laughs> do, you want, do you want to shout out any particular friends? Uh, my favorite dog... On the road is Lola, Stacy Ronsley's dog. She is a fantastic creature with a heart of gold. Uh, Onyx, the Carrie's dog. I love, love him. Uh, Summer, Sunny? Sunny. Sunny. Uh, Cynthia Ricciotti and Kyle Klein's dog is fantastic. Full of, uh, kind of annoying at times, but <laughs> she's a lot of energy. Yeah, I feel like hasn't quite learned how to be a dog yet, yeah, but she, she's, she's knows perma, how to be very fast. She's a perma puppy. Yeah. Yeah, which I, I, some people love it. I love perma puppies, but like in doses and I can't imagine living with one, one all the time. Maybe she's calmed down since the last time I saw him. I don't know. Living in a van, no less. Yeah. There's a, the boom of car cats and tour dogs over the last couple of years has been fun to watch. I remember Dana Vici pointing out on Twitter that there are more yeah. tour animals than there were touring players like <laughs> 10 or 15 years ago. Raven, Sarah Hokum's dog. Sure. Sweetheart. Yeah. Having all these dogs on tour definitely helped those who have to leave their animals behind mm-hmm. cope. Um, I won't ask you to name the bottom oh. few animals on tour. But I'll name them. You would? No, I'm just kidding. Oh, man. I was... Damn. <laughs> I would that never. was the content I want. Oh, also, this isn't the bottom. This is very much towards the top. Uh, Nathan Queen's dog, Sadie, mm-hmm. is a gem. Absolutely. A great disc golf Very dog. well great behaved. Yeah. So sweet. And the sweet little mohawk that she always has. Mm-hmm. So cute. Yeah. Um, funny little terrier. Yeah. Uh, well, damn. I was really hoping that if you would be suckered into slandering other people's dogs, like I could film the ensuing fist fight later. Uh, There's some animals that I haven't met yet. Ooh, okay. That I might not like. I don't know Jim Leahy very well. <laughs> cat Murch's cat. Seems, seems to have some personality. I, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't met Bubbles. Uh, Bubbles, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway. Bubbles I think, is sweet. I think you and I probably could come to an agreement on who some of the worst dogs are. Yeah, but to and be I'll, fair, I don't think there are any 
bad dogs on tour. Only bad humans. No, egregiously <laughs> one. Okay. That's, there's Chandler's bumper sticker for the day. All right. If you enjoy this podcast, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and whatever the fuck Twitter is now at fish58320 to compliment me, lavish praise. And if you hated the podcast and want to yell at somebody about it, where can folks find you, Chandler? Uh, they can find me on Instagram, channel underscore fry. I believe I deleted my X account, which was X formerly known as Twitter account, just because I never used it to begin with. And now with everything going on, I just don't really care for it. Yep. Uh, and then you can uh, find me on Facebook and just friend me and we can be friends. And, and Pokemon Go. My name is Chandlestick. Send me a like or send me a friend request. There you go. <laughs> And if you see Chandler in the wild, be sure to bring your dog to meet him. I will pet that dog. That's all for this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast. But be sure to check out previous episodes and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Check out Fish Golf Broadcast hats and other apparel at discgolfbra.com and badger your friends until they listen too. Join us next time as I goad yet another guest into starting a fight with another touring player, campsite host, or toll booth attendant on the Fish Golf Broadcast.